Yes, the Lord is really wanting to heal people. I believe that. Uh, I think we always need to ask the Lord to heal. Um, so I appreciated that. I hurt my. Hey, I'm my. I don't think right sometimes. I was doing a lot of work that I don't normally do uh, outside, and I th- when I start working, I act like I'm 25. I'm not quite that age anymore. My my mind and heart says 25, but my body says you, you're so far beyond that, son. <laughs> I woke up yesterday. I was hurt. I could hardly get out of the bed. Literally, I mean, I was had pain in parts of my body that kind of felt like I never had. Didn't even know those parts were there, but they were reminding me they were there. So anytime we're asking the Lord to heal, we just don't really know what people go through. Uh, young people, old people, just so many people who are carrying illnesses in their body all the time. Uh, chronic sicknesses. And, and, of course, older people, you know, y'all older people out there, I'm not really identifying with you, but y'all might be sick a lot. Because your body, you do dumb things with your body like I did. Yeah, I don't know what I did. I was pressure washing and, man, you think pressure washing would be easy? My hands were numb the next day from it. Like, I can't feel nothing. My back was so hurting. Yeah, it it was terrible. I'm thinking, what in the world? What is wrong with me, Lord? I'm falling apart. I don't want to. Anyway, so I appreciate that prayer this morning for healing. I feel like the Lord was touching my back while Jenny was praying for me. So there's really anointing in here. Amen? Amen? All right, let me read this verse to you. Luke 2.49, I actually read it last week. If you were here, you would remember my message from that. It says, but why did you need to search? Okay, why did you need to search? Remember, this is a, this for everybody who wasn't here. Jesus' family went up to Jerusalem to, to, to celebrate a feast. Okay, they left and went home. Jesus did not go with them. Okay, they didn't know that for a couple of days. They had lost Jesus for a couple of days, and then they finally found him, you know, berserk parents. And so, and so that was the first thing out of his mouth. Why did you need to search? I don't really want to talk about that now, but I am really fascinated with that question. I believe that's a question, a thought that God has released into the atmosphere, and I think we all need to, to answer that question. Why did you need to search? Why did you need to look for me? I mean, we might think that we have an obvious answer to that, but there's no obvious answer, I don't think. But I'm not going to talk about that today but because I haven't really got any revelation on it much. He asked, don't, didn't you know that I must be in my, in my Father's house? That's the New Living Translation of that verse. Now I'm going to read the New King James Version of that. Uh, and he said to them, why did you seek me? That's a, probably a better way in that perspective. Why did you seek me? You need to ask yourself, why are you seeking the Lord? You know what? It's a good thing to seek the Lord for what the Lord can do for you. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people think, you know, religion kind of gets into this thing, you only seek God for God himself. And that's kind of crazy. You know, what kind of God would that be if, if he just wanted us to seek him like that? That wouldn't be a good God. That would be a terrible God. God wants to do things for us. He really does. And for us to take that away from Him is taking away who He is. So I just really encourage you, don't fall for religion when it comes to the Lord. Uh, 
did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Did you catch the difference? One of them, I must be in my father's house. This one, I must be about my father's business. Now, if you remember last week, I told you uh, the actual language there says neither one of those. Uh, The actual language says, I must be about the things of my father, kind of leaving that as a sort of an undefined thing. However, both of these translations, I feel like capture, they really capture something that's really powerful and real biblical. Both of them do. They're both something that I believe is vital and necessary in all of our lives is one, to be in the father's house, two, to be about the father's business. Amen? So they both are speaking something. And so this morning I wanted to talk to you briefly about, about my father's house. Are y'all good with that? I want, to be about my, I want to be in my father's house. That's what Jesus said. I got, I got to be there. There's something in, in that place. So if you uh, look at the Bible, um, that theme of the father's house is, is threaded throughout the entire Bible. It's... It really is. It, it, it's really how God, right from the very early days of humanity on the earth, how God wanted, to, God was looking for a house. He was looking for a home on earth so God could be with us and live with us. That was his heart all the way from the being, all, even all the way back to the garden before we thought in terms of houses, we th- thought in terms of gardens. God was wanting to be with man in the garden. And then I wanted to read this beautiful scripture here. This is the first time it really mentions the house of God in the Bible. It's Genesis 28, 16 through 17. Mo- many of you are, are aware of this, this verse is uh, when uh, Jacob uh, was leaving home and spent the night on a mountain and had the most famous dream in the Bible. We call it Jacob's Ladder. Y'all, many of y'all are familiar with that. He has this powerful dream where um, he saw this ladder between heaven and earth. And he saw angels going up and down this ladder. And then he saw God at the top of the ladder. He saw God at the top of the ladder. And he, then he woke up from the dream and this is what he said. Uh, he woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not even aware of it. That's really important. I was not even aware of it. See, the Lord can be in a place, the Lord can be real, and you may not be even aware of it. Do you know? That's a tragedy for humanity, that God can be in a place and we miss God. Uh, people can get powerfully touched, you know, in a moment, and the person beside them can be powerfully unmoved. Have you ever, this is just me, have you ever been in a worship time where you were just getting blasted by God? I mean, you were just overcome with these emotions and feelings of love and passion. And you just felt the Spirit of God all around you. It was just tangible and electric to you. Anybody ever had that experience? And then you look around at your buddy and they're sitting there. Yeah, doing this, looking at their phone. And you're thinking, what the heck's wrong with them? Have you ever had that thought? Anybody besides me? Not that you're judging them, but you're just wondering, wow, why am I so in a, in a, in a, under a waterfall and, and they're not even aware of it? Well, that's, that's the way things work in the Spirit. We, can become, we don't, are not always aware of the Father. We're not always aware of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what an awesome place this is. But he was also afraid. Ooh. 
and said, what an awesome place this is. It's none other than the house of God. It's none other the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. It's none, that's the first time in the Bible the house of God is actually mentioned. It's none of, so the first house of God on earth was a mountainside, basically a rock where he laid his head down and slept with a rock. That was God's first house on earth where he revealed himself. And he said it was a gateway to heaven. And that's really the first thing the Bible tells us about the house of God, that the house of God is meant to be a gateway to heaven. God is, meant, God is there, and it's a, meant to be a gateway where people can access heaven. And a lot of you know that in John one fifty one, Jesus declared that he was Jacob's ladder, that he was that connection point between heaven and earth. And there would be a, a, a open heaven, and, and there would be angels going up and down uh, upon Jesus. And so that was the, the fulfillment of the house of God and, and, and Jesus. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of different houses of God. I think there's at least seven houses of God uh, in the Bible. Uh, it, that was the first one. The second one that's specifically called a house of God was the tabernacle of Moses. The third one was what they call the tabernacle of, of David. The fourth one was what it was the temple that Solomon built. This magnificent temple. That's the one where the priests couldn't minister to the Lord. The presence of God was so powerful. They had to get out. It was going to kill them. We want the presence of God like that, don't you? Like, got to get out of there. We're going to die if we stay in that. That's my dream. That would be my dream for church, okay? Get out. We're going to die because God has come down and it's so intense. That would be the best day in church ever in, in history, I think. We're all running out in the parking lot because the power of God, the presence of God has come and is so intense that people cannot even stand to be in the presence because our flesh is just not able to contain that glory. Oh, that's the dream. Lord, do it. Amen. And, of course, there's the rebuilt temple. That temple was torn down and burned to the ground, and Ezra and, and Nehemiah were the ones who helped restore the temple and... Um, then in the New Testament, of course, Jesus was the house of God, and then we're the house of God. We individually and we corporately. So you see, it was always, you know, God's heart. And so when Jesus said these words, uh, didn't you know I must be in my Father's house, he released a train of thought that was, is never to end. It was a thought that God was trying to really release into people's hearts and minds. It wasn't just him answering a question or just saying something to his parents. God was speaking something prophetically. And he was speaking something that, he, that, we, that could be an impartation, that we could receive something from heaven. And that same passion in Jesus, that same desire in Jesus would become our desire. It would become our passion. I mentioned last, last week that later Jesus said at one point, zeal for the house of God consumes me. Passion for the house of God. That was Jesus' heart. And, and so when he said that, there's an invitation for us today. There's an invitation where we can begin to get that same thing working in us. Do you know what I'm saying? Are y'all following this? This is not just a religious conversation we're having here. 
Okay, this is not just a, 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 a sermon. This is something that's desperately on God's heart. That's, that God has it's been on his heart from the day, that day when Jacob saw that. He began to tell people, this is what's really in me. This is what I want to do. I want to be in the midst of you. You know, uh, Moses' tabernacle, the way it was set up, if you study it, it was right in the middle of the camp of Israel. It wasn't over here to the end somewhere, like I'll sit up over here. No, it was in the middle. So everybody could, because so, God wanted to be in the middle of us. He wanted to be around the people all the time, and he still does. Are y'all excited about this? Are y'all thinking about barbecue? <laughs> Both? Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord, I'm really passionate about this. Of course, this will get you. So let me tell you a few things about the Father's house. Are you good? Or good? Let's go. One, number one, here's, this is really important. It's, the Father's house is a place where God wants to reparent us. Reparent us. See, every one of us need to be reparented. Why do we need to be reparented? Because we, we were raised with either awesome parents or not awesome parents or somewhere in between. But even our best parents fell short. And we need God to come and parent us and show us what the Father is really like. And so that's one of the, the, the really one of the greatest keys that I really feel about the Father's house is that we can begin to know that we're going to be reparented, that God really wants to get into your life, get into your heart, and begin to reparent you, begin to do some things for you. One of the most, most amazing things is it really is, is where we can learn to be loved. That's what the Father's house is. It's a place where we can learn to be loved. It's a place where we can learn to be valued. It's a place where we can learn to be accepted. It really is. And see, that changes everything about you. It changes when you feel loved. You know you're loved. You're accepted. You're valued. You, what you say, people don't just, just brush over you or tell you to hush or what, you're not that important. Stop bothering everybody. You know what I'm talking about? When you're growing up, you're running your mouth and you shouldn't be and your mama saying, shut your mouth. Well, you're not going to get that from the Lord. He might talk to you later about it, but what God feels is he want, what you say, how you feel, your desires, all those things are really important to God. And when you speak, God listens. God has listened to us all the time because not, not to try to find the wrong thing we're saying or the wrong thing we're thinking about doing. No, because He loves us and He loves our voice. He really does. And see, that's what we begin to learn when we go into His house, that He really loves us. This thing about a place at His table is everything. I, I just tell you this, that we all have a spot at God's table. And this is what the Lord, that really, that one thing really gripped my heart because it made me realize that I have a place at his table that nobody else has and nobody else can take. It's my place. Why is it my place? Because he said it was my place. And he's always looking for me to be at that place. When you begin to really believe that in your heart and you really know that inside of you, it does something to you. It changes you. You're not trying to get in. You're not trying to be accepted. You're not trying to be loved. You're just entering into what's really there for you. And, it, and that's why Jesus said, I must be there. I must be there because I want the world to know this is what it's really like. This is what the Father's house is really like. And so uh, not only do we uh, receive love and receive value, 
uh, we, we begin to learn how to love ourselves. Because a lot of people don't love themselves. There's people in this room, I promise you, that really deep down inside you don't love yourself. And the reason you really don't love yourself ultimately is because you have not experienced His love. Because when we begin to experience His love, something changes. When we begin to experience His acceptance, something changes. When we begin to value ourselves as and see his value of us, it, something changes, and we begin, begin to love ourselves, and then, ultimately, we can really begin to love other people. You know, he, we love him because he first loved us. So we have this love working in us where we love him, we love ourselves, we love other people. That really is, if you think about it, that's really what the New Testament's about. I mean, if, if you really think about the New Testament, I had to boil it down, it's about being loved, Loving yourself, loving other people, loving God. If, you, if all that was really flowing in your life, you would be living the lifestyle that Jesus lived. And out of that lifestyle would flow miracles and healings and revelations unparalleled. Because if you really had to boil the New Testament down, I've come to that pretty startling conclusion. Okay, number one. So that's number one. Are you all with me this morning? Because you're not looking like it. You're looking like tired and... You know, barbecue sauce and number two, it's a place of becoming an overcomer and inner healing. It's a place of becoming an over there's so many things we have to overcome. We mentioned the the orphan world. We gotta overcome because we were all born into an orphanage called this world. Every one of us. When we were born, we came out of the womb, whether we knew it or not, we were orphans. We were spiritual orphans. And so that's one of the big things that God wants to absolutely free people from is that orphan spirit, that orphan mindset. Jesus said that in John 14. I think John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. That's what he said. I will not leave you abandoned. There's a spirit of abandonment that works on people. People feel abandoned. They don't feel cared for. They, they feel left out. They feel like they're on the outside looking in. Do you all relate to that? We, do you? I mean... I don't. I can remember one time when I was a little boy in school. Uh, there was a day that my, for some reason, I think it was sports or something. You know, the buses were already gone home, and my parents were supposed to come pick me up. Anybody ever had that to? Them? And they didn't pick me up. They forgot. Well, you know, a parent forgets stuff, right? That's just being a parent. Uh, but kind of forgetting a kid at school is kind of a big deal, I think. Well. That was the worst feeling I ever had in my life because I felt abandoned. I felt alone. There was this thing in me saying, they don't care about you. Because if they cared about you, they would be here. Well, all that was lies from the devil, obviously. Okay? But that sense, that feeling of being an orphan, being abandoned, not having people that loved me there, not having people that was going to be there for me. You see, that's what the Father wants to break off in people. That's why He wants to bring people and says to break that kind of thinking out of us and free us from that kind of thing because that kind of thinking causes you to do some bad, bad, bad stuff, really bad stuff. Another thing is that poverty spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a problem with hoarding in here? Raise your hand. Like you like to hoard certain things. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like I got a 900, I got so many shoes, you know, or... Uh, you know, my mama was raised during the Great Depression, okay? 
she was a little girl when the Great Depression, and my mama had this obsession with washcloths and towels. She had so many washcloths, she couldn't even get in the bathroom. Like, Mama, why do you have all these washcloths? I don't have that many washcloths. It was because what she experienced being deprived and not even having a washcloth. It puts something in her. And see, that's where all that stuff comes from where you feel like you've got to have more than you really need, and, you, and unconsciously you're grasping at things. That's a poverty spirit at work in you. And God, in the Father's house, one of the things He wants to do is break that out of us completely. And you know, you can kind of pick up on that poverty thing, and it's not just about money. It's about, it can be about anything. It, can be, it, can affect, it affects every area of your life. And God wants to free people from that, because we're not meant to live in poverty. We're sons and daughters. Um, there, you know, there's the inferiority complex. Anybody know what that is? I got to hurry. Okay, but I'm going to tell you something. People are ate up with inferiority complexes. You don't measure up. You know, you feel inferior, so you act one way or the other. You act really arrogant to cover up your inferiority, or you're all cowering and afraid. In the spirit of rejection, you know, you walk around feeling rejected all the time. You know, you don't feel like you're ever accepted by people. You know, you, you go into a place and you feel like nobody's going to like me here. I feel like an outsider here. You've got this spirit of rejection working on you. And then, of course, there's guilt, you know, and shame. You know, and all those things make us run from God. Those things, and see, what happens when you really enter into the Father's house, He starts working on those things in your life. He starts dealing with those things. He starts speaking to those things in your life. And it changes you. It changes. It, it helps you to get rid of stuff that's destroying you, and it helps you to start becoming who you're really supposed to be on this earth. Uh, it's also a place of identity. Ryan mentioned that. I want to read this Luke twelve. Are y'all good still? I want to read Luke twelve two. This is coming from the Message Bible, which is <laughs> I just love this verse in the Message Bible. It says, "This is Jesus. He was actually speaking to the Pharisees." Okay, to the religious crowd. But you can apply this to anything. You can't keep your true self hidden forever. You can't keep your true self hidden forever. Before long, you'll be exposed. Oh, Lord, that's scary thinking. Uh, if you're working in an orphan spirit, if, you're fear, if you haven't really, God hasn't dealt with you, that being exposed is the worst thing that ever happened to you. I don't want people to know the real me. Because if they know the real me, they're going to hate me. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to anybody in this room? Am I the only person who ever went through this, who lived their life behind a wall or a mask? Okay? Before long, you, you can't hide behind a religious mask. Religious mask, performance mask, uh, attractive, you know, a good look if you're a woman, a, an attractive mask. Uh, if you're a man, a successful businessman mask. Uh, you just put anything in there you want to. Put any kind of mask you want to that people put on as they live their life in, on this earth. So they'll be loved. So they'll be accepted. So people will like them because the person behind that mask is this quivering, afraid human being. And so he's got to put a mask on to make himself look accepted and loved and get people to accept and love him. The Sooner or later, the mask will slip and your true face will be known. Every one of us have a true face. You see, the greatest need of every human being is to be known. One of the, our greatest needs is we need to be known. Somebody needs to know me. 
Oh, I can't let them know me. If they knew how bad I really was, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't care for me. So I'm going to wear this mask so people will love me and accept me. And I'm going to live my life. But yet every night I go home, and when I'm by myself, I'm still hurting. And I'm still feeling not loved and not accepted. Why am I? Because the mask got all the love. The mask got all the acceptance. Am I talking to anybody? Don't live your life letting your mask, whatever it may be, get everything that you need because it's getting it. It's getting it. You're not getting it. And the only way you're ever going to get it is begin to let the Lord take that mask off of you and acknowledge to God, I have a mask on. I've lived my life with this mask, Lord. And many of us have multiple masks that we've used, depending on what our situation was. And the Holy Spirit is the one that has to show you this. Another thing is a lot of us live behind walls. Oh, you can tell a person who's got walls around them. You know, I remember when the Lord spoke to me about the wall that I live behind. I had a vision of this man behind a wall. And he said, that man happens to be you. And this is what he said to me. If you'll let me, I will take that wall down for you. If you'll let me. Well, I stupidly said yes, not really stupidly, but it was kind of rough for a while. Because the wall was there to protect me from people. and Protect me from the hurt that I knew I was going to get from people. And the rejection I was going to get. So I built this wall around me and I was happy to live behind it because I was safe back there. But not really. Because you know what you do when you build a wall? You not only keep other people out, you keep God out. He can't, really, he can't be everything to you that he wants to be. So we kind of keep him up. So he began to tear that wall down, and I led him. And it was kind of an interesting season in my life of lots of healing and inner healing and just deliverance from, you know, oppressive thoughts. And, you know, and I was, be, I was able to start learning how to relate to people, you know, with healthy boundaries. You know, healthy boundaries. And so I could begin to have relationships with people that before I really couldn't have relationships with because I was afraid they were going to hurt me. So I built the wall. I would walk into a room and I'd be on the defense immediately because I was these people are going to hurt me if I let them into my life or they're not going to love me or they're not going to care for me. And I got a little, a little quiet on me. Oh, Lord, help and so that's one of the things that will happen to you when you really engage in, with the Father's house. He'll begin to talk to you about your walls. He'll begin to talk to you about your mask. And see, so he don't force any of that on you. He, he begins to say to you, you need to get rid of that. And you begin to, and once you start getting this confidence with him, when you really realize how much he does love you and value, and be, you begin to believe what he's saying about you, what he, who he says you are. And once you start believing what, who he says you are, it gets easier. Like, I don't need this mask no more. In fact, this mask is hindering me from being me. I want to be free to be me. And everybody in this room, we need to be set free to be our real self instead of what the world says or what the devil says or what the television or social media, all of that trash, because all of that will destroy you. Somebody's got a nice ringtone. <laughs> Are y'all okay? Yeah. All right, now, so here's the, the sad, what I call the sad truth, okay? There's a sad truth about being in the Father's house, okay? I just gave you a few thoughts here. A lot of this comes out of my own personal experience. 
what, I'm, what I just shared with you about my journey of live, learning to live in the Father's house. Uh, lots of mistakes along the way. But there's this sad truth, and this, and this is where the sad truth comes from. It comes from uh, Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son. Many are familiar with this, this most amazing story of this father who had two sons. One was a prodigal, what we call a prodigal, which is basically somebody who runs away from God. And then there was another son who we call the elder brother. And, and so the story is, is the younger son, he did not want to live with the father. He was in the father's house, but he, but he didn't want to live with the father. Why didn't he want to live with the father? Because he had these issues, okay? You can be in the father's house and still have issues, Okay, and, and those issues ultimately drove him out. He couldn't bear to be with the father. He was consumed by things. Really, in his case, the, what, what the Bible calls the desire for other things. There's other things that will pull on your heart. Or, you know, another thing the Bible says, the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, and that will pull you away. Oh, another thing the Bible says, it's... It's uh, the cares of this life. The cares of this life. Those things will begin to work on our hearts. And suddenly, being in the Father's house is not the thing. Those things begin to pull us away. So he pulled away and took off. And he was a bad guy. He was wanting to have parties and, you know, wine, women, and song kind of thing. That's what he was into. Well, you know, of course, he came back. The father restored him, loved on him through a big party. God's into parties. It's, a, you know, a beautiful thing. Well, all the while, there's this other brother, okay? This other brother. This is really key. I've related to being a prodigal. I think many of you have at different times in our life. I was a bad prodigal at one point. But I've really related to this older brother thing big time, okay? So there's this older brother, and he's out in the field working, and it was time to go home, and he gets home, and there's a big party going on in the house. So he asked one of the servants, like, hey, what's going on? And the servant said, your brother came, and your dad threw a big party for him. And there's just happiness. And he was angry. He was just flat angry. He was flat mad. Why was he angry and mad? Here's why he was angry and mad. Because he felt rejected. He didn't feel included. And he was angry at this brother. Okay, he was just mad at him because of what he did. He was just slammed mad at his brother. Okay, just mad, just upset. So the father found out, and just like he did with the prodigal son, and this is a good word for dads, you need to go after your kids when they're messed up. Don't cut yourself off and expect your kids to come to you. Go after them when you see them messed up. If they're sinning bad, go talk to them, go love on them. If they're hurt, go talk to Don't expect them to come and have a heart-to-heart talk with you. They're probably not going to do it. This father went after him. And he went out there and had this conversation. Verse 29 of Luke 15. After he, the son said, this is what the son, the father was saying. Oh, your brother's home. We had to do a party. It's just the most amazing time. He's back. He's alive. He's safe. The father was, you know, celebrating that son coming home. And this is what the older brother replied in verse 29. All these years, listen, all these years I've slaved for you. I've slaved for you. All these years, God, I've done all these things. And this is amazing. 
and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. I always did. I always obeyed. Are you hearing me? I always did that for you. And you've never done anything for me. Has anybody ever felt that with God? That you've done and done and you feel like God didn't respond to you? That's this guy with all this stuff working in him, all this performance mindset, all this, if I do these things, I'll be loved, I'll be valued. See, he was living in the father's house, but he did not know how to relate to the father. He didn't know how to entreat him as a father. He had, no, had that total disconnect, so he was just trying the best he could, you know. And all this time, he never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Not one thing. He didn't give me a goat. (laughs) Listen to what the father said to him in verse 31. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me. And everything I have is yours. Everything. But he didn't know it. He didn't know. And because he didn't know, he couldn't have it. And see, I think that's the way we are lots of times with God. We have an inheritance with God. But we're going about it in the wrong way. And one of the things that has struck me was how he flat refused to forgive his brother and found fault in his brother and criticized his brother. See, whether we know it or not, those, those are fruits of something deeper. But those things, if you have an inheritance, which you do, those things will keep you from receiving your inheritance from the Lord. Just like they were keeping him. Did you hear what I said to you? If you have bitterness, criticism, all this towards other people, it is going to hinder you. If you won't forgive, it is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to keep God from being able to give you everything he wants you to have. It's just, that's just the way it works. That's a sad truth. Are y'all okay? Y'all acting all solemn now. You know, this is just reality. This is living life. Okay? See, we have an inheritance. We have something God wants us to have right now. But there's things going on with us that are hurting us. It's not that God is holding back. You know? It's that there's a block between us and him. There's a block where the flow of his things that he wants for you, you're not going to have. Okay, y'all, y'all are doing good. Let me read one more verse. All right, I want to read this, Revelations 2, 3 through 5. Okay, this is, uh, you know, in the Revelations, there are seven churches, you know, uh, where Jesus wants to address these churches. And so he tells John, you know, I'm going to tell these, this is what I want you to tell these churches. And uh, the first church is the church at Ephesus, which uh, was actually located in uh, Turkey, probably didn't exist as a nation then, but that's where Ephesus is now, is in Turkey. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Like, Turkey is like the, one of the birthplaces of Christianity for, for non-Jewish people. Isn't, isn't that wild? God has a calling on that nation. God really has a... That's why all of a sudden Turkey is coming up in the news. You see, it's God got something for Turkey. Turkey is on the... They're on the wrong path. We're on the wrong path, I think. God has a, God has a call on Turkey. 
God's going to redeem Turkey. Okay, God's going to do something in Turkey. Well, this, this uh, church, the church at Ephesus, think about this church. Ephesus at that time, there was probably 200,000 people lived in that, which was huge for that era, 200,000 people. It was the center of this worship of this goddess, Diana. That's what they call her. Who Some rock fell from heaven. and You know, it was just all a bunch of perversion and wickedness. But it was a major deal, a major deal in that part of the country. Every year there would be these festivals where 200,000 more people would come to participate in this conference or revival about Ephesus. So it was a big deal. And, uh, but here's what happened. There was a revival in the city. I believe it was the greatest revival in the book of Acts. It's in that, if you read it, Acts 19, that shifted, the revival was so powerful, it shifted the economy of that city. It sh- literally, it shifted the economy. That's what got Paul in so much trouble with him because people were burning their books their witchcraft books, they were, they were tossing the, the idols out the door and, and it got him in trouble because people were starting to lose their business because God was moving. So isn't that a powerful move of God? It was powerful and it became the most powerful church that Paul started. He was there almost three years leading that church. The apostle John led that church at one time. Timothy led that church. Jesus' mom actually was a member of that church. We're talking about the best there is church. And it was one of the largest at that time in the world. And Paul writes this letter to him in the New Testament called the book of Ephesians. It's the only letter that he wrote to any churches that he wasn't addressing some issue. All the other letters he wrote, there was problems he was trying to talk to him about. To that church, there's no problem. I just want to talk to you about God's blueprint plan for the world. You know, it was just amazing. An amazing church. But now, the last thing that we hear from this mighty, mighty church that had this mighty move of God, we're going to get to hear the last thing that Jesus says to them. And it's not good. It's not a good, good talk. First thing, I'm not reading it all to you just for time's sake because I'm going to get slapped for going this long. Is this. Jesus starts talking to me. He said, you know what? You guys have done a lot of good things. You've done a lot of mighty works. You haven't put up with liars. You haven't put up with people perverting the truth. You have suffered and you have endured. In other words, you're like, those are the kind of Christians we want to be. He said that, but then he said, but I got something. I got a complaint against you. I got a complaint against you. And this is what he said. Uh, Well, he said in verse 4 there, he said, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You don't love me. And if you don't love me, you're not going to love other people like you did back in the day. Back in those heady days when people were burning stuff and selling out for Jesus and willing to die, willing to be ridiculed in their culture. Because their their love and passion for God and love and passion for each other. He said, you quit doing that. You've left the first love is is, uh, another way they translate that. Look how far you've fallen. Look how far you've fallen. That's Jesus talking. You've fallen a long ways. 
You know, because all this other stuff, as wonderful as it is, going through difficult times and persevering and enduring and taking, taking the heat and standing for the truth, all that. But he's saying still, you've fallen. You've fallen. This Jesus, Jesus conversation. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first, which means you know, loving him. If you don't repent, now listen, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. You know what that meant? You're not going to be a church no more. That's what, it, that's what the lampstand represented. If you don't, if you keep going down this road, you will no longer be a church in my eyes. You may be a church in other people's eyes, but my eyes, no. You're no longer a representative of me. You're no longer part of my body on the earth. That's pretty, pretty stiff, don't you think? So, you know, the reason, you know, I read, think this scripture really applies to what I was saying is about the Father's house is, you know, we can do a lot of things, a lot of good works, and I am into that. And I believe God's called us to do. I don't think we can have a love relationship with God and not do good works. But if we let these good works... If that becomes who we are and we've lost something towards God himself, we've lost this love for God and we're not people of love, then, then we've missed the mark. We've missed the mark. And I think somehow the presence of the Lord gets lifted in those situations. I don't think God forsakes people ever because he said he didn't. But I'll tell you something. You... You can sense when the presence of the Lord lifts off in, off in people. You can feel it. It's not that he's gone, but he's allowing us to be aware of his presence, that his presence is real, it's live and vibrant, and it's manifesting around you. That can stop. That can stop. You, we can lose that. And, and when I believe when we lose that, we've lost everything. We've lost the candlestick. We've lost the light. We've lost it. We can lose it individually. We can lose it as a church. We're no longer being the light of the world. Oh, Lord, help. Won't y'all stand up? Somehow I was going to try to connect that back with the Father's house, but I can't remember what it was. That's terrible, isn't it? I can't remember what that was. She was telling me, Lord, I'm sorry. But being in the Father's house is where you learn to love. That's, that's really, it's where you learn to love. It's where you learn to get healed. It's where you learn to, to be yourself. And, you know, life can cause all that to become dull in you. And you can kind of, no longer that's, you can become like the church at Ephesus. No longer that's not the most important thing. That's not the, the thing that really burns in your heart anymore. You know, and, and, then, then, and you can keep doing the outward stuff, but it, from his perspective, it doesn't really matter. And so I believe, you know, when Jesus said, I must be in the Father's house, as he was trying to invite us into that place, you know, where life would be different for us. And we wouldn't be people who would grow lukewarm 
and drift from him because we let the love go and that we put all these things in front. So let me just pray a Father's blessing on you this morning uh, because I think that's the thing that we need. Father, we just thank you today that you love us and that you have invited us into your house and, and you want us to know that we're at, we can come to your table um, anytime we want, Lord. And Lord, I just know there's people in this room that are, their hearts are not there. Their hearts are not there. And I just ask you, Lord, to touch their hearts this morning. Uh, I know there's, there's people in this room that really are stuck in this performance mindset and just this thing where they feel like they've got to please you and they've got to do certain things to make you love them and care about them. I just pray today there'd be a mighty deliverance that would take place and that you'd break that thing off in people today, Lord. You'd break that curse off of them where they don't have to get anything from you. They don't have to earn anything from you, Lord. You'd break it off of us, Lord. You get that stronghold, those lies that the devil has implanted in us that keeps driving us and keeps pushing us and making us do things that we don't have to do or we shouldn't do. Lord, I just ask you to deliver us. I just pray, Lord, I just know there's people, Lord, there's people in this room that are consumed by the cares of this life. They're consumed by them. They're eating them up. They're eating their heart away. They're eating their passions away. Lord, I just pray for them today. You'd show them how to have a healthy boundary with the cares of this life. You'd show us how to have a healthy boundary with this political spirit that's trying to destroy us, this divisive spirit. Lord, I pray you'd show us how to have healthy boundaries with those things and not allow those things into the place of our heart that's reserved only for you. Lord, I ask you to do that. Lord, I pray for our country today, Lord. Our country is an orphan country. We, 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 there's babies dying. There's, there's orphans everywhere. I just pray, Lord, that somehow a move of God would come in this, this nation, Lord, and orphans would be here to come home to the Father. And I just pray, Lord, somehow we could be that Father's house. Lord, I just ask you, this, if you feel like you say, if, if you want to be that, Raise your hand. Say, I want to be that, Lord. I want to be, I want to be that in the Father's house. I want to be the Father's house. I want people to be able to come and find all these things that happen that I could be a person that could release that in the earth. Just ask the Lord, say, Lord, here I am. Say it. Say, here I am, Lord. Use me, Lord. Oh, I love that scripture where it says, God did unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. I just love that. Say, God, here's my hands. Oh, Lord, you're going to have to do the unusual, but here's my hands. Here's my hands, Lord. I want you to take these hands and use these hands. You know what that means? The hands represent you. Because he's not going to just chop your hand off and leave your body behind. Here's my hands, Lord. Now, here's the thing. Don't be surprised, listen to me, that he puts you in a situation to use you, and you're thinking, well, I wasn't, that was not what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking about doing that, Lord. In fact, I don't even want to do that. Are you kidding me? You want me to do that? It's what Moses said. I can't do that. What are you thinking about? I'm going to go talk to these people. I'm not going to do that, Lord. Now, that's how God works. He wants to surprise you. I just pray when, he, when, when that surprise comes that you'll be aware. What you said to the Lord today. Here's my hands, Lord. Use them. Let's say it one more time, Lord. Here's my hands. Use them, Lord. Let me become the Father's house in the earth. 
Let me do miracles, Lord. Let me heal people. Let me break these curses off in people's lives, Lord. Lord, I want to break the orphan spirit. I want to break the poverty spirit. Lord, I want to curse those things. Lord, I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in people's life, Lord. That's what I want, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hey, this message is for you today. Because it doesn't matter if you're the prodigal, if you're the big brother, or if you're in a spot where Jesus was. They all have a place in the Father's house. Isn't that good? I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge me this week. Let's take this. Let's run to the Father's house if we need to find that place of healing. Let's run to that Father's house, to the Father's house this week, to get set free, to get free of rejection. And let's run to the Father's house to do His work, to be the Father's house. Isn't that exciting? Regardless of where we are, that's, this is where we need to be. Amen. Well, I want to invite the ministry team up. We want to pray for you. We always want to pray for you. So that's why we always invite the ministry team up. We want to pray for you if you want to engage more deeply with today's message or if you want a prayer for healing or if you want, need something. If you want prayer for anything, our ministry team is here to serve and to sow into your life. So please take advantage of that before you leave. If that's not you, we want to release you today. We're, you're all welcome to come to the fall festival. Wear your flannel. Grab a jacket. Grab a grab a chair. Come on out to the fall festival from 1 to 5 o'clock. But don't forget to get your kids because we will not bring them for you. So get your kids before you go. Go be blessed. We love y'all. Like, oh.